0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. 2 Kings chapter 6. Would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? 2 Kings chapter 6. A couple of things that God has encouraged me about. I've never been sick before until I got COVID. So when I when I first went upstairs to my wife on a Wednesday morning, and said something's going on in my chest, and she said, "What do you feel?" I said, "I don't know." And she said, are, "Are you having breathing problems?" I don't know. I was telling the preacher, "You know, you've been blessed when you don't even know what sick feels like." And I said, "I just feel something different." And so we went to the hospital, and I had pneumonia. They started me on a Z-Pack and sent me home. They said, if you get worse, come back. And I was shaking and I got home and, and I was cold. My wife said, it's not cold in here. So I said, put me in a bathtub, a warm bath. I found out that's not supposed, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to get in a hot bath when you got a fever. But I didn't know anything, I was freezing. And so she put me in and, I, and then I couldn't get out the bathtub, I was so weak. And so I, she pulled me out and I lay down and she, she said, you think you need to go to the hospital? I said, "Well, they lay down for a little while? So she says, I don't remember this very well. I was gasping, so we went back to the hospital, and I staggered in the hospital, and <clears throat> they took my temperature. I was 105, and so they, I had been to a clinic in North Carolina, and I was preaching there the Thursday and Friday before that, and came back home on a Saturday. The clinic told me I was okay. And then I'd gone to my doctor on Tuesday. He said it was something viral, but you'll be okay. And then I'd been to the hospital that morning. They said you had pneumonia, but you go home and you'll be okay. So now I'm back to the hospital. And finally I got tested. And by that time I had pneumonia in both lungs. And the doctor said the scan showed that my lungs had deteriorated in a matter of hours for what it normally takes several days. So that's when they admitted me and they said to my wife, you need to leave now. And I'll never forget, you need to leave now. And she walked out of the hospital. She gave me my phone charger. Thank God for phone chargers. All right? Now, if you're one of these people that preach against technology, then you better be glad you're not in the hospital when technology is the only way you can look at your wife. It's not technology. It's how we use it. All right? The problem, listen, the problem is we have given smartphones to dumb people. <laughs> I'm one of them. This thing takes me places I could never get to on my own. That's the problem. So so I'm not anti-technology. I'm anti-misuse of technology. Thank God for for while I was in the hospital, I took that phone I set it up on that water bottle. I couldn't even hold it. And I looked at my wife. Thank God for that charger. If that phone had died, I think I would have. I really do. I think a lot of people, COVID had a lot of people die lonely. It's the loneliest, I'm not, I mean, I could roll by myself. It doesn't bother me. But I'm telling you what, it, it is so lonely. It's so scary. Nobody come there. They come in every four hours. I was telling the preacher, the highlight of my day in the hospital was about 7.45 in the morning when the lady cleaned the room. She kept the door open for about seven minutes. It was the only time I could look out the door for seven minutes. And I thought, this is my way to the outside. Seven minutes a day. And i never forget looking at my wife. And she looked look at me, and I had oxygen in it. My pulse is coming out my neck. That's what she tells me. And she says, you gasp between everywhere. And I said, I I love you so much. And she looked at me and said, you're so handsome. And I said, you're such a liar. (laughs) And she said, you are to me. You are handsome to me. And I, I would not have made it. I would not have made it without my wife. One of the things God has taught me over the last year and a half is to appreciate the people that mean something to you. Every man in the building, you ought to go home tonight and thank God for your wife. Not just when you get sick every day. And I've told her so much, honey, honey, I read through Proverbs every month, a proverb a day. And I get to Proverbs 31 and I think of her and sometimes I just shoot her a text. I thought about, read about the virtuous woman today. That's you. And God has given me such a wonderful wife. I miss her and I love her. God's given me a wonderful family, and I, I miss them. God's given me a wonderful church. Boy, the church family prayed me through, brought food to the house. ladies, there's a lady that drove up from 40 minutes away to bring me dinner, bring, our, bring my family dinner for several days. Uh, it was enough to feed us for several days when, we got, when I was sick. I came home from the hospital. She got the virus later, and she's in heaven now. And i never forget that when, when I was in need, she was bringing me food, church members dropping off food, sending money, and being a blessing. Hey, hey look, look, the world tries to run us down, say we don't know what we don't. You can't beat the family of God. That's Amen. You can't beat the body of Christ. So God taught me how blessed I am to have a godly wife and a wonderful family God's given me, and church family, my, my parents and my siblings and all those. And they're wonderful friends. you find out who your friends are when you go through the valley and uh, I wouldn't give you anything for Christian friends and we've been blessed in our family over the years to not only meet friends along the way but you know it's a real treasure when you meet friends years ago and years later you're still friends and uh, time and space and distance and serving the Lord doesn't allow you to see each other as often as you do. But when you see your friends, it does something to your heart. And one of my friends is here tonight, Brother Vince Ashley. And I just want you to know I love you. And I love his wife even more. Oh, I'll make, sure I, I'll make sure I call him. They've been our friends for a long time. When he was in the military, his wife and daughter, they lived with us for a while when he was stationed there. And then they were members of our church. And we're friends, and their friends are our are, are friends. And his mama is one of my church members. And his sister is my secretary. And so we have known them a long time. And I don't get close to this area when he doesn't show up. And I didn't tell him I was coming. But it showed up. I cried a lot for COVID. Now I cry all the time. <laughs> I feel like a woman. Oh, <laughs> uh, when you're staring at the possibility of not being here, every day you're here, you're glad about it. And I just love the people that had been special to me. And I got in here tonight. You know, you come in. I didn't used to get nervous. I get nervous around people. now. I don't I don't think it's something I went through, trauma or whatever. So I get more nervous than I ever got before. So when I'm coming in the situation, I just get a little nervous. And then I'm coming in, and I'm coming in side doors, and I get nervous about people thinking, why is he doing that? It's just, just the devil is a liar, you know. So... I just sat down in the front row, and I just looked around all the time, and I saw his face, and it helped me. So, and I want everybody in the building to know I love you. I'm not putting on. I'm, I'm so thankful that God is continuing to let me serve him. Second Kings chapter number 6. I'm going to read and pray, and then I'm going to sit down. I hope that doesn't make you mad. If it does, just build a bridge and get over it. All right. <laughs> I got COVID as an excuse now, so everybody's got to feel sorry for me. (laughs) And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee unto Jordan, and take thee, take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with him. When they came to Jordan, they cut down the wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Let the church say amen. Amen. Our Father, we pray you have thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. Oh God, do a work up the road about three hours. Would you watch over my wife and my family while I'm gone? In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Hey, Shaq, how you doing? I think that's one of the first people I met when I came to Roanoke Rapids. That's my boy. I'm glad he's in church. Yeah. I love you, man. The sons of the prophets. These were men that Elisha was training. I believe in these last days, preacher, that we need older men training younger men. Older ladies training younger ladies. By the way, that's not a good idea. That's the pattern of the word of God. (laughs) By the way, young people, you need to learn from somebody who's done it before. One of the grave mistakes of this generation, this young generation is they think they know it all. Let me tell you, I thought I knew it all too. The older I get, the less I figure out I knew. I'm glad I woke up somewhere along the way to find out that I had a daddy and mommy that knew more than I knew. And some men and women that knew more than I knew. And I am today standing on the shoulders of those who've gone before me. We just celebrated 40 years as a church. I celebrated 10 years of pastoring. My dad started our church 40 years ago, pastored it for 30 years. I'm thankful for a daddy and a mommy that stood on the principles of the Word of God, and I'm a better man for it. Listen to me. You love God and you love your parents. God will help you with that, and he'll take you somewhere. Here are the sons of the prophets. I believe Elisha was training them, and they were in a place where he could pour his life into them. Elisha, without a doubt, had an appreciation for that because Elijah had poured his life into him. Listen to me. The best way you can say thank you to those who've invested in you is to invest in somebody else. And so they're training. But it makes it very clear in 2 Kings chapter 6 that the place where they're training is not big enough. Notice the scripture says it is too straight, too narrow, not large enough. We don't have enough room to do what we need to do. Now what they were doing was a good thing. How many believe you ought to be doing good things? (laughs) And here is a good thing. Here's the man of God that is training younger men to do the work of God. It's a good thing and they need a bigger place to do it. What a beautiful auditorium. What a blessing to see that God has given you a building to have a school over 100 students where you can train. Listen to me, the best education is education in the best things. And if you're ever in a Christian school and you think, I'm missing out, I wish I could be down the road in a bigger school with bigger programs, with bigger sports, with bigger science labs. Let me tell you something. You better be glad you can come somewhere every day and hear the Word of God. And you can have teachers that aren't there for a salary, but they're there to pour their life into you. I still remember Bible verses that I learned in Christian school. I still remember things that I learned in chapel, decisions that I made. I still remember preaching competitions that taught me to discipline myself and to sharpen my skills and my talents so I could be a better communicator. I'm glad that my parents paid the money. I'm glad that the pastor of that church started that Christian school. I'm glad that God gives us facilities that are larger and land that is bigger so we can do the work of God. There's nothing wrong with a church wanting more property and a bigger building and a bigger land so they can do something more for God. Listen to me. They're building bigger stadiums. They're building bigger casinos. Come on now. They're building bigger warehouses. Let's get more to do more for the cause of Christ. So this is what they're going to do. They're going to go to the Jordan. They're going to chop chop down trees, and they're going to build a bigger place to do the work of God. All in favor, say amen. amen. But a problem happens. While they're cutting down, notice what the scripture says. They're cutting down wood. While one is felling a beam, swinging the axe, chopping down wood, notice the scripture said. His axe head fell into the water. Everybody say, oh boy. boy. Now watch this now. I want us to be very simplistic tonight. It is possible to be doing a good thing and a bad thing happen. Somebody help me preach. You can be doing a good thing and a bad thing happen. I'm not one of these people that's going to curse everybody in the world. Some people that did wrong, did wrong while they were trying to do right. Some people walked away from God and didn't intend to. Some people fell out the will of God and didn't intend to. Now, that's not an excuse, but it means they were trying to do right and they ended up doing wrong. Let me tell you something. Have you ever read Romans chapter 7? The greatest Christian I believe in the Bible said it like this, things I would do, I don't do things I don't want to do, I do. The things I don't allow, I still do. The things I'm against, I still end up doing. Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this flesh? Listen to me, you read Romans chapter 7, it is a dismal, dire picture of living the life in the flesh. And by the way, some of you are thinking if that was Paul, what do you think I'm going to do? I mean, I ain't nothing like Paul. Here's the principle here, Romans chapter 7, the picture was dismal in Romans chapter 7 because there's a mention of the flesh but now never a mention of the Spirit of God. And that's why Romans chapter 7 is so dismal because it is a life lived outside of the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, the Spirit shows up. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are none of His. Romans chapter 8, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Romans chapter 8, nay in all these things, listen to me, if God be for us who shall be against us? Romans chapter 8, who shall lay a charge against God's elect. Romans chapter 8, it is God who justified, it is God who sanctified, it is God who glorified. Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall the sword? No, 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 nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. All Christianity is not a big deal. You read Romans 7 and you read Romans chapter 8, you get the spirit involved. You get God in the middle. It'll, it'll change dismal into delightful, amen. It'll change sad into glad. It'll change grief into sorrow. It'll change going to hell into going to heaven. Don't you tell me being a Christian is just about praying a few words or coming to church. Being a Christian is accepting Christ as your Savior, getting the Holy Spirit inside of you. It doesn't just make a difference. It makes all the difference. It's possible to be trying to do the right thing. And a wrong thing happened. Here they are, chopping down trees to make a bigger place. And while it happens, the ax head falls in the water. That's a big deal. <laughs> Watch this now. You can swing it all you want to, but if you don't have an ax head, it ain't doing nothing. <laughs> now I know I had to drive three hours to down, down here to tell you that, but you, <laughs> you ought to just be thankful for it because I'm gonna give you it for free. Listen, listen, watch this now. Swinging harder without an axe head doesn't get you any more productive. If he kept on swinging, he may be still swinging, but he's not getting the job, job done. Listen to me. He may be expending energy. He may be sweating. He may be getting tired, but he's not doing what he went there to do. You see, he's there to cut down trees and you can't cut down trees without the accent. Now watch this now. Please listen tonight. The greatest need for the church of the living God is revival. Now watch this now. We have entered an unprecedented time in our lives. COVID has affected everybody. You don't have to get the virus to be affected. It's affected you, somebody you know has it, it's affected your business, it's affected your life, it's affected our churches. For months we couldn't have church, and months after that we had to have church online. Ain't nothing like being in the building. (laughs) Listen to me, whoever wrote Hebrews, you can debate about it, I think it was Paul, you can think it's Apollos, it don't matter, the Holy Spirit told them what to write. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wasn't mistaken when he said the assembling of ourselves together. There's something like assembling, everybody say assembling. There's something about getting together. Come on now, getting together, provoking one another to love and good works and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Let me tell you something, when churches couldn't meet and now that COVID has gone on, I I fear preacher that there are Christian people that are trying to do the right thing, but sometimes some bad things have happened. I fear that because of what has taken place and because of what's happened in our world and because of what we're not able to change, some have drifted from God. We've lost a step. We've lost some fire. Come on now, let's keep it real tonight. We're not as vigorous, as vital as we used to be in the work of God. Watch this now. We're swinging, but we don't have an ax here. Going through the routine, going through the mechanics, going through all of the rigmarole, going through everything that we do to be Christian. Oh, yeah, 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 we, we, we still read. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we still tune in. Yeah, 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 we, we still do this or that. But where's that fire? Where's that excitement? Where's that joy? Listen to me. The Christian life shouldn't be something you tolerate. <laughs> it shouldn't be something you just survive. It should be something you thrive in. Amen. Young people, the Christian life shouldn't be something. Oh, we gotta go to church again. Oh, we gotta read our Bible again. Oh, no, 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 no. You get to go to church. You get to read your Bible. You you get to serve the. Can you imagine? Can you imagine just walking into the White House every day when you want to? Nobody gets to do that. But I get to walk into the holy of holies, the throne room every day and have a personal meeting with God. He loves me like I'm His only child. And yet, people aren't praying like they used to. Listen to me: aren't reading like they used to, aren't tithing like they used to. Come on now! If you're still going to work, you still ought to be tithing. You know, I tell our people, don't get nervous when I start talking about tithing. I haven't even started talking about your money yet. Yeah. <laughs> the tithe is the Lord. They ain't go getting in my money. It ain't your money. I think God's pretty generous to let you take nine and He take ten. Well, I don't believe in tithing. It was, it was in the law, and the law was over. It was before the law. Yes. Amen. Well, when was it well, it, started in the Garden of Eden. You can eat all them trees, but that one in the middle is mine. God always reserves a portion for himself. Yes, before the law, during the law, and then Jesus repeated it after the law. Listen to me. And by the way, even if it ended with the law, how in the world can you justify doing less under grace than they did under the law? See, even if you don't believe in tithing, start at 10 and go up. Amen. I'm just telling you, people have lost their vigor, and we've got excuses for it. Well, the world's getting worse, and the devil is so crazy, and and we're at the end time. No, 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 no. The problem is the axe head has gone in the water. You know what the church needs in these last days? To get our cutting edge back. I said to get our cutting edge back. This could be the last generation alive before Jesus comes. I don't know about you. I want to finish with a bang. Amen. (laughs) I want to swing, but I don't want to swing on my axe I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't just want to carry my Bible. I want my Bible to carry me. Amen? And I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God on a Monday night in the month of October 2021, it could be before the trumpet sounds, you can get your axe head back. You can get your cutting. I'm glad you came tonight, not because I'm preaching, but because Jesus is in town. You can get it back. You can have your fire back. You can have your joy back. You can have your excitement back. You can love this Bible like you. These can be the best days in the middle of a pandemic. These I've never had a greater time with God than I ever had before. I would have fallen in depression, sunken in despair if I didn't know on the mornings I couldn't get out the bed. I couldn't walk down the steps. My wife had to bring me food, but I knew in that morning that there was a God that would meet me in that bedroom, and I didn't need to go looking for him. He came looking for me. Listen to me, church, tonight. You can get your your cutting edge back. And by the grace of God, I'd like to tell you how tonight. Number one, there must be a sober reaction. A sober reaction. Now, watch this. Now, as he's felling a beam, swinging, 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 <laughs> there goes the axe head into the water. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, what the reaction was. Look at verse number five and he cried. And then the Bible says, and said, Alas. Everybody say alas. Alas, Alas, that's an archaic word. It's an expression of grief, pity, or concern. He cried alas. Now, watch this now. Here's the first step in getting your axe head back. You need a sober reaction. Listen to me. You ain't going to get it back if it doesn't bother you that you lost it. Here's the problem people aren't where they need to be with God, but they're not saying alas. They're saying, oh, well. Do you read like you used to read that Bible? No, but you know, I mean it is what it is. You in church like you used to be. No, 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 but 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 better than most people. If God wrote Genesis to Revelation, how in the world can you excuse not reading all of it? When's the last time you read through the Bible? Well, I don't have time. It's amazing. We've got time for Fox News. Time for CNN, time for video games, time to play golf. Take four hours to play 18 holes. That's with a cart. (laughs) Can't read through the Bible? We do what we want to do. We do, you know revival starts tonight when people who aren't where they need to be with God would come to this altar tonight and say, Alas. Say it bothers me. A broken spirit. That's what I'm saying. Sober reaction must be involved. A broken spirit. Alas, alas. Then a sober reaction also involves a blundered stewardship. A blundered stewardship. Notice what he said in verse number five. Alas, master. Next words, for it was borrowed. Now look at just a moment. Here's what he's saying. Not only did I lose it, it wasn't mine. Huh? You, 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 you know, mama said, don't borrow everything from everybody. B- b- because if something happens, listen, 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 it's bad enough to get in a car accident, it's worse when you get in a car accident in somebody else's car. Yeah. Now here's what he's saying, alas, alas, it was borrowed, it was borrowed. It wasn't my axe head, it was somebody else's axe head. What happens with blundered stewardship of an axe head? Number one, an idle consequence. I can't work anymore if I don't have an axe head. What happens if I lose it? Not only an idle consequence, but how about intended care? It was given to me by someone who intended me to take care of it. Are you listening now? But not only an idle consequence, I can't swing anymore. Not only intended care, I didn't take care of it. But how about this? An inevitable Concern, here it is, here's the inevitable concern. I've got to go back and face that guy I borrowed that, that ax head from, and what am I gonna tell him when he looks at me and says, how'd things go? And I say, uh, what had happened was, uh, I, uh, we got down a lot of trees, we built a big place, we gonna have a lot of room to learn about God. But I lost your ax head. Anybody listening? Yeah. Now, that sounds real funny when we talking about that guy. But I want to tell you something. When you serve God, this guy's not the only one that's working with something borrowed. See, See, we've been bought with a price. I said, we've been bought with a price. See, my body's not mine. My time's not mine. I can't get mad because I don't feel like I used to feel. I don't belong to myself. I'm going to get mad at God. Well, God, I used to preach louder, and I used to run faster, and I, I used to stay up long. Listen to me. I don't belong to myself. My mouth is God's. My kids are God's. My wife is God the church that I pastor is God. Wait wait, minute. He gave it to me. He loaned it to me. He, he gave it to me on borrow. See, see, if I don't preach with this tongue, then, then what am I going to do? Wait, wait wait, wait! If I let the thing go that God gave to me, it's an idle consequence. I can't swing like I used to swing anymore. It's an intended care. I didn't take care of it like he intended me. But wait a minute. It's an inevitable concern. One day, I'm going to have to look at my master face to face. What am I going to do when I tell him? Well, people got saved. Well, the church kept on going. Well, there were people that did keep serving you. Well, other preachers kept on preaching the Bible and things kept on going down there on earth. But what happened was, God, I didn't do like I should have done it. I didn't bring back to you what you gave to me. Stewardship is a big deal. It's not about how much you have. It's about how faithful you are with what God has given you. Not everybody can sing the same, give the same. Not everybody can have the same talents, but everybody can be faithful. What's your reaction to losing your axe head? A sober reaction. Broken spirit and blundered stewardship. Number two, If I've lost my axe head, I want to get it back. It must involve a strategic return. A sober reaction, but a strategic return. I love what takes place in this passage. Notice what the Bible says. He says, alas, master, for it was borrowed. (laughs) Notice verse six. And the man of God said, here's what I call invited support. He lost it, but he wasn't too proud to ask for help. Master, he's talking to the man of God. I made a boo-boo, and I need some help. Hey, Hey, listen, one of the worst things Christian people do is get away from God and act like they don't need anybody. Come to church and act like everything's together. And by the time you want to admit it, it's too late. Find somebody that's on fire with, for God and say, pray with me. Yeah. Get an accountability partner and say, read the Bible with me. When I miss church, call me and ask me where I was. Yeah. See, see, imposed accountability makes people feel bad for keeping you accountable. Invited accountability makes people feel good because you're the one initiating. I hear people yeah. say all the time, keep me accountable. No, 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 no. You keep me keeping you accountable. If I got to track you down, people say, Preacher, I don't want to drink anymore. Keep me accountable. I call you up. Did you drink? No, you're lying. (laughs) How am I going to keep you accountable? Follow you around? You keep yourself accountable. Here's what he's saying. Master, I need some help. This thing is in, hey, listen, this thing, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. Can the blind lead the blind? If you're blind, you fall in a ditch. You need somebody that can see to get you out of it. Amen. Alas, master, he invited support. He invited support. But then notice the identified spot. Not only the invited support, but the identified spot. Notice the wise question that Elisha asked. Where fell it? Where fell it? Fell it. Very simple. If you lost it, find out where you lost it. Go to the spot where you lost it. Now now listen to me. If I came into church tonight in this auditorium and had my phone, if it was time for me to leave this auditorium and I didn't have my phone, I'm not going to Haggerty's to look for it. (laughs) Somebody help me preach. Because I know I had it when I came here and I didn't have it where I left. I'm not not borrowing somebody's phone, calling back home to my wife and saying, do you see my phone? When I know that when I left home, I had it. When I got here, I had it. When I left, I didn't have it. It doesn't take a PhD to figure out if I'm going to find it, I need to go to the spot, somebody help me, where I lost it. If you had joy when you read your Bible, go back to reading your Bible. Yeah. If you had joy when you were soul winning, go back to soul winning. Yeah. If your finances were better when you were tithing, boom, shaka-laka-laka-laka, laka, yeah. start tithing again. Yeah. If when you came to church, you had peace, start coming to church. If when you walk with God, you had joy unspeakable, go back to walking with God. Yeah. The Christian's life, Christian life's not complicated. We're complicated. Listen to me now. Because we try to go all out of the way to find stuff when we know where we dropped it. It bloop, 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 bloop. That's where it went. Let's not go look in the, 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 the Euphrates and the Tigris when I dropped it in the Jordan. Come on now. I need to look at the spot where I dropped. Listen to me. If you were a good Christian and excited about serving God, then go back to being a good Christian again. God hasn't moved. The things of God haven't changed. Biblical principles have not shifted. Paradigms will shift and legislation will change and politicians will rise and fall and powers will go up and go down. The grass will wither. The flower will fade. But the word of God shall endure. Let's just get simple with God tonight. Let's go back to the spot where it fell. Sober reaction. A strategic return. And number three, lastly, a supernatural remedy. Watch this now. You're going to get your axe head back. You're going to get your cutting edge back. We need God. Amen. Listen, this ain't, this ain't patty cake. This ain't dominoes. This ain't uno. It's a God thing. The world is trying to take God out of everything. Listen to me. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for doctors. God uses them. And by the way, let me say this. You may not like this. Thank God even for people that will help out with mental health. And we need that too. But none of it is a substitute for God. And you try any of it and take God out of it, you're still at square one hopelessness. Get all the counseling, all the psychology, all the psychiatry, all the therapy. You take God out of it. It will never satisfy your soul. Because my friend, to get what you need, it takes the supernatural. And only God can do the supernatural. I want you to notice the remarkable power. The remarkable power. Notice he said, where fell it? He showed him the place. Now watch this now. And I like this part. He cut down a stick. (laughs) What? What happened to Abracadabra? Huh? Where's the oil? Where's the tongue talking? Where's the loud shouting? He cut down a stick. It's what I call an unlikely method. You know, if we're not careful, we'll not only want God to show up, but we want him to show up our way. Naaman said, well, couldn't you pick a good river? I'm paraphrasing, but I'm preaching. <laughs> I thought he was going to come out and make all this noise and strike me. Yeah. No, no, go go dip in the Jordan. If you want God, let God do it his way. Right. Sometimes we're looking for the big hoopla. Yep. Okay. Come on. Sometimes we, we, we tell God, I need you, but I've already devised how I want you to do what I need you to do. No, 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 Elisha cut down a stick. Sometimes you're looking for something major. Oh, I need God on Monday. I'll wait till Wednesday when we go to church. No, 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 you don't need some big service. How about just getting into the Bible, huh? You don't need your favorite song or your, I, I hear people say, I can't wait till this coming fall when we have revival, like God needs your favorite speaker to bring revival. <laughs> revival is a God thing. It's a God thing, an unlikely method. He cut down a stick, cast it in thither. Now watch this now, an undeniable miracle. This is the remarkable power of God. Watch this now, and the iron did swim. Now watch this now, if we're not careful, we'll start reading scripture in the Bible, listening to the words, hearing what happened, and act like it happens all the time. This is not a Disney movie. This is not a Steven Spielberg film. This is not a Hollywood production. Watch this now, for water to go, for iron to go down in the dirty Jordan River, for a man of God to throw a stick in the river and the iron to come up and start swimming, that ain't nothing but a miracle. I said, that ain't nothing but a miracle. And for the church to get revived is going to take a miracle. For people of God to get back on fire is going to take a miracle. Listen to me. When God took a million and a half Jews after the Passover, moved on Pharaoh's heart to release them and let them go, and they stood in front of the Red Sea with Pharaoh pursuing them behind them. And when Moses stretched out his rod, and that large body of water went that way and that way, and that ground wasn't slushy or mushy, but dry, and they walked across it on dry ground, and then God took that same body of water and closed it up on the enemies, that was a miracle. When manna fell down from heaven, it was a miracle. When God gave them enough for every day, it was a miracle. When they walked in the wilderness for 40 years and their shoes didn't wear out, watch this now, and the shoes grew with their feet, that was a miracle. Listen to me now. When he touched a leper he was cleansed, that was a miracle. When he gave a blind man seeing and a lame man walking and a deaf man hearing hearing, and a mute man speaking, that was a miracle. When the withered hand was restored, when the woman with the issue of blood, it dried up, when Jairus' daughter was raised back to life, when Peter's mother-in-law was healed, when that demoniac was sitting clothed and in his right mind, when the water and the wind obeyed him, when the water was turned to wine, I'm telling you, it was a miracle. And when he reached down in the miry clay and washed my sins away, when he gave me a new name written down in glory, when he changed my direction to going up and not down and gave me an opportunity every day to win some crowns and deposited his Holy Spirit inside of me when he gave me a brand new nature, adopted me into the family of God, justified me not just I not just as if I'd never sinned, but as if I were never a sinner. I'm telling you, it was a miracle. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care how long the iron's been down in the water, I don't care how lost it seems, I don't care how far away you've been, whether you you just a little bit or a lot of it i'm here to tell you god can make the iron swim tonight and you can get your cutting edge back remarkable power but then the responsible person notice first of all the realized availability the iron did swim listen if it's swimming you got to notice it's swimming Sometimes God does the miracle, but we don't do anything. Yeah. I mean, God found that thing where it was, brought it up to the top of the water where you could see it, and then it's just swimming like a fish. Could you, can you imagine all them fish looking, swimming by and looking at that iron? Woman? What's he doing here? <laughs> That's a God thing. Yeah. But you've got to realize it. You know what? It's there for the time, it's available. Nobody in this building has quit serving God and you can't start serving God again. And by the way, you don't have to be out of church because if you were, you wouldn't be here tonight. But you could be out of sync. The realized availability. Watch this now. The reaching activity. Notice he said, take it up to thee. It's available. Realized availability. But notice what verse number seven said. He put out his hand. You know what I'm finding out? Christians have stopped Reaching. Put your hand out. Put your hand out. Why do you expect somebody to put something in your hand when you don't have it out? Come come to church with your hand out. I know it's not normally a church night. It's Monday night. But put your hand out. (laughs) If you keep going home from church and not getting anything, maybe you didn't have your hand out. Be careful. I tell our people, people, be careful. Don't be telling nobody you went to church and didn't get anything. I keep that to myself. You're telling too much of your business. <laughs> That's like going to Texas de Brazil or Fogo de Chao or one of these all-you-can-eat places, and, 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 and it's a buffet, and you paid the price, or at least it was paid, and all of a sudden, all you gotta do is just, you know, just go up there to the buffet or, or, or go up to the spot where the food is and, and, and eat it, and you leave up out of there and go, go home and say, I didn't eat nothing, I'm hungry. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Don't ever tell anybody at a buffet you didn't eat and you're hungry because you are admitting you're lazy. Somebody paid for you to eat there. Somebody fixed the food. Somebody served it so it was hot. Somebody seasoned it so it was savory. Somebody made sure there was plenty when there was no more in the container. Somebody made sure when they needed more out on the buffet that they put more out. And you talking about you didn't eat? Well, you didn't eat because you sat at the table and you should have got up off your blessed assurance and gone up to the buffet and fixed your plate. Come on now. Now, God's made the iron swim. Whose job is it to take it? Put your hand out. Let's ask God for some. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. As the heart panteth for the water brook, so my soul longeth after thee. Yes. How bad you want him? I'm not where I need to be with God. Put your hand out. Sure. Realize availability, the reaching activity, the receiving actuality, and he took it. Glory to God. It once was lost, but now it's found. Have you ever got anything back you were looking for? Glory to God. I had Invisalign for a while. Anybody ever had Invisalign in here? Invisalign? Take it out when you're going to eat and pick it up and throw it away with the trash. (laughs) That ain't too smart, is it? (laughs) Then you're going back to a public place looking through the trash can. See, I got another victim. We ain't the only two. We just the only two willing to admit it. Them thing's expensive. You got to go back and look for them. But oh, the joy when you find it. Listen to me, church. You get back what you used to have with God. Ain't nothing like getting back what you used to have. Wow. Realized availability, the reaching activity, the receiving actuality. Huh? And then the resumed aggression. I believe it all in my heart. When he got it back, he got to swing it again. What a shame it would be to beg God to give us something back that we lost if we're not going to use it for the purpose he gave it in the first place. Oh God, give me another chance. What are you going to do with it? Jonah's a great minor prophet in the word of God. My favorite verse in Jonah, Jonah chapter three, verse one. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad he's the God of the second chance? And you read the passage. Nineveh was a three days journey and he got there in a day and a half. You know what he said? After them three-night accommodation in the whale's belly, I'm going to cut time down. (laughs) Not even God's patience runs out eventually. I gave you another chance and you still taking your time? How in the world, after this last year and a half of me, would I ever even contemplate Quitting on God. After He gave me a chance, I sat there in the hospital, God give me a chance. And all over the world, Christians are quitting on God. uh, They're no better. I talk to pastors all the time. I'm talking about people been serving God for years. All of a sudden they said, I ain't doing this anymore. How crazy is that? Every good thing you have came from him. You're gonna quit. You don't come all this way and you're going to quit. I wouldn't tell nobody that either. Don't make you sound too smart. I ain't ain't a genius, but the dumbest thing in the world would to quit on God. Let's cut down some trees and build a bigger place. That's a good thing. Well, the bad thing has happened. I've Lost that accent. Hey, I've come to tell you tonight. You may have lost it, but by the grace of God and the authority of His Word, you can get it back. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcr.org.